0: Oh, so upbeat! I don't know if we're in the mood for it, but once again, the Aztecs failed to close the deal on the road in the Mountain West, and this time against a very good Nevada team in overtime. Steve Perez here with Lewis Wiener. Welcome to another edition of Aztecs All In, where... Win or lose, we are all in on Aztec athletics, and we say hello to the master of the stats
1: caster, Lewis Wiener. Steve, that was a rough one. It was there for the taking, and they did not take it. No, they did not. Aztecs fall short to
0: Nevada in overtime, 70-66. They made it to the overtime after trailing for... Most of this game, they failed to hold a four-point lead in the bonus period. We'll talk more about that, but also coming up...
1: Aztec football coach Sean Lewis holds a meet-and-greet with season ticket holders, getting them all pumped up for the upcoming football season.
0: And speaking of pumped up, the Aztec players have praise for Aztec's Director of Athletics J.D. Wicker for the selection of Sean Lewis, but... Before we get into that sort of stuff, Lewis, the Aztecs take on the wool pack, uh, chance for them to maybe put a little space between them and some of the other people they are tied with in the Mountain West and instead fall short and get outplayed for most of the game when you stop to think about it, when you look at how the game shook out or how, the, as they say elsewhere, how it went down. I mean, the first half, The Aztecs got off to a very slow start, took forever to score their second points, but still clawed back to trail only three at the half. They trailed 27 to 30. The second half, they made it up, and a lot of just really hard-fought, scrambling basketball on the part of both teams, and the Aztecs were able to pull out and overcome, losing Lamont Butler after committing his fifth foul. And they won the second half 33 to 30, but that left everybody tied 60 all we go into overtime. The Aztecs initially get a bit of a lead, but then cannot close the deal and fall 70 to 66. And this came for a number of reasons, but what are your thoughts before we get into some of these key statistics?
1: Yes, Steve. I think it was a game of missed opportunities for San Diego State. And when they did have some momentum, they couldn't uh, keep it up. Um, In the second half, there was a a situation when uh, Waters drove. It was 42-40 Nevada. Aztecs got a steal. It looked like they were going to tie the game. Butler drove to the basket and missed. Every time it seemed like they were trying to get there, they had trouble. And then when they finally did, they just couldn't uh, sustain it. Butler
0: committed two quick fouls in the second half and had three at inside of 18 minutes to go. Ladie picked up a foul just inside 15 minutes. There was a lot of fighting for loose balls, and the Wolfpack ended up with their fair share of them. Uh, K.J. Himes, who was the big man for the Wolfpack, ended up fouling out, and... He picked up a fourth one just inside 12 minutes
1: to play, trying to guard the D. And the Aztecs, like I said, it was a struggle. They Trammell tied the game at 46, and then Nevada took the lead, and then it was 50-50. San Diego State did not take its first lead of the game, Steve, until 347 left. In the second half, that's when Jay Pal drove, he scored, Himes fouled out of the game, Jay Pal went to the line and made it 53-52, and at that point, you kind of thought, okay, the Aztecs are going to take over, but they were not able to sustain it at the end of the half, it looked like they had a chance, they got the ball back with six and a half seconds left at the end of the half, they didn't really get a shot off, Trammell had the ball, but not a decent shot, and it went to overtime. And but well,
0: before you get into the before you get into the overtime, here's yeah. the other missed opportunity because Nick Davidson for the Wolfpack came up with a loose ball that tied the game at 60 all. He was fouled. Incredibly, he could not make the free throw, and the Aztecs did have a chance to come up with the winner at eight, you know, with about eight ticks on the clock. Darion Tremell ends up with the ball, and he takes that one from long range. There was a lot of contact on that play, and nothing was called. And here we go into overtime. You're looking at it from a different perspective, but it's one of those situations where you, you see a lot of contact against your guys. They're on the road, and we've already established that on the road, the home team's going to get the calls, the visiting team not so much.
1: Yeah. Um, the Aztecs in overtime, Steve, they had been 2-0 and in overtime this season, and they quickly took the Well, lead. now they're starting to nerf again. Now they're 2-1. and one. They're, Yeah, <laughs> they are. First possession of the overtime, Ladi drove, fouled, makes both, 62-60. Then Ladi scored again, 64-60. And then... Suddenly, Nevada gets the ball, and Blackshear, who couldn't hit a free throw to save his life, but he had a really good game, all alone under the basket, 64-62. And I thought the key here, Ladee then turned the ball over. Nevada scored again, 64-64. So in overtime, the Aztecs were outscored 10-2 the rest of the way and just can't get it done that way. Yeah, in my note
0: on that overtime Reese waters had a shot for a three ball and it was tied 64 all the ball wedges in the yeah. rim and so the ball goes to the Nevada and at that point you're just wondering if it's meant to be I saw a lot of 50 50 foul calls for the home team late in this one that could have gone either way or it could not have been called but once the whistle blows that's how it goes that last Closing moments where Darion Trammell's shot does not go in. And then on the rebound, Nevada gets the rebound, with in, basically the game's over at that point. And instead, refs have to look at this one and, and add insult to injury and award a couple more free throws for the final tally.
1: <laughs> yeah, that one was because uh, on television, the announcers seemed to say that the foul was going to be on Nevada. So he was totally wrong there. (laughs) But you you know what the Aztecs uh, couldn't do tonight, Steve? They couldn't hit a three-point shot to save their lives. Over the past four games, the Aztecs had hit at least eight three-point shots. In one case, they had nine, and they had 10 and 11. But tonight, only three. And I think earlier in the game, they were relying too much on the three. And I think the end of the game, they relied too much on the three. As you mentioned, in overtime, Waters shot that three, they got stuck. And then Parrish missed a long three. He was terrible tonight from from three points, and he just did not have a good game. On the game today for Parrish, he was uh, two of 11 on the game, one of seven from three. And on the game, the Aztecs were 3 of 19 from three-point range. So, live by the sword, die by the sword. And unfortunately, the Aztecs just could not get them to fall tonight. And they relied too much on them. The
0: one stat where Nevada fell short was at the free-throw line. Did you know they had 32 free-throws during that game? Only shot 59%. They make their season average... This game doesn't even go into overtime. The Aztecs did have a a chance to steal one, as Coach Dutcher likes to say. Instead, they handed it back to the home team, and they have to look up once again in the standings in the Mountain West.
1: Yeah, 16 turnovers for the Aztecs and 16 as well for Nevada. These are the two best uh, defensive teams in the Mountain West Conference, and it showed they both played extremely hard. It was tough going inside for both teams, although late Nevada seemed to have their way. The Aztecs uh, really uh, didn't have any answers for them, especially in overtime.
0: The Wolfpack player who actually scored the winning basket for Nevada, Corey Barnett, was... Apparently, running a play that the Wolfpack runs often that the Aztecs should have seen if they were scouting it right. As assistant coach Bill Duaney explains to the announcers on 95.5, the vibe.
1: Uh, well that's a,
0: that's a set that we have uh, we, we, run a, we run it pretty regularly um, you know it's, it's a curl for Trey Coleman sometimes that's a curl for Keenan uh, and if, if the curl isn't open then you got another you got another screen with Jared coming off who who gets a lot of attention and if they try to take Jared away you're going to have the big slip and and uh, we saw the matchup and Trey's really been posting well he's really been finishing at the rim well and Keenan trusted his team his roommate <laughs> he trusted his roommate gave him the ball down the stretch in overtime, and Trey went and laid
1: the ball in and got us a game-winning
0: bucket. So the overall record for San Diego State stands at 18-5. and The Wolfpack is 18-5. and They are very proud in Nevada, in Reno, the Wolfpack fans are, because it's the first time in program history where they have defeated top 25 teams back-to-back. Every time the Aztecs find themselves inside a top 25 on the season, they really haven't been able to stay in there and stay in the public consciousness by continuing to win. And at this point in the Mountain West, they are 7-4. and four. There are three teams ahead of them in the standings, New Mexico, Utah State, Boise State, going into the remaining games on this Saturday. Lewis?
1: Yeah, the Aztecs will next play on Tuesday at home against Colorado State. That's a 6 p.m. tip. And they will play New Mexico on Friday the 16th, a rare Friday night home game At 7 o'clock, both games coming up this week, and the Aztecs really need to flip it around and try to uh, regain momentum in what's become a very difficult Mountain West Conference race. But Steve, the Aztecs did win a game this week on the road, did they not?
0: Yeah, this win one, lose one thing kind of keeps going on, or win two, lose one, whatever. Anyways, it's kind of anticlimactic at this point, but the Aztecs did win that road game against the Air Force earlier in the week. It's a handy win, and here's my two cents on that game, or as I like to say, my pocket full of schmeckles. First, they played this game at the Falcons home court, Clune Arena. The Aztecs finalists in the national championship game. But judging from the crowd in the arena, it might as well have been a Sunday night pickup game in Balboa Park. Where was everyone? Might have something to do with the Falcons' single conference win when they boat raced the UNLV Rebels on their home court. How'd they win that one? But, you know, almost might have something to do with the fact that you're talking about a military academy. So a home basketball game isn't necessarily a high priority. Aztecs did take care of business. They needed to do it but the aforementioned Nevada game on tap at the time. Only other note about this one, because it was such a convincing win, and obviously Air Force is overmatched, um, and you can't read too much into it. The Falcons don't hand out scholarships. Players do not get NIL money. And there's something more at stake for these guys, which is why visiting players like the Aztecs always stand respectfully while Air Force plays and sings their school fight song. And when the Air Force Falcons leave the court, It's single file. And all in all, though, when you see the Falcons take on the Aztecs in basketball, or football for that matter, know they have the game squarely in perspective. So, Lewis, that's enough of Aztecs men's basketball for the moment. It's time now to turn to the fun and entertaining new head coach of the Aztecs football team, Sean Lewis, who
1: spent a lot of time in front of the public and the media this week. Steve, We're still six and a half months away until the new Aztecs fast football team under new coach Sean Lewis kicks off the season at Snapdragon Stadium against Texas A&M Commerce. Nope, not the other Texas (laughs) A&M. But this week, the coach met with the media on what was technically National Signing Day. The Aztecs announced most of their new players in December during the early signing period, which included 26 players. They also added 12 more from the transfer portal. This week, the Aztecs announced two new additions, Modesto Junior College offensive lineman Tyler McMahon and wide receiver out of Austin, Texas, Heath McRae. Both players officially signed on Wednesday. It brings the 2024 recruiting class to 37 players, 15 more than last year. More players could still be added when the transfer portal reopens the last two weeks of April
2: fun day exciting day uh, a little bit of the excitement I guess of this day has been taken out of the room with the early signing period and everything but happy to announce Tyler and Heath today um, you know kind of putting a, a close and a bow on the signing class um, for this 2024 cycle um, but overall as we talked about in December you know really excited about the class excited about the work that the staff had has done to this point and, and obviously a lot of those guys that we talked about in December are here on campus and rolling and going with us. Um, so it's been great to, you know, have them here doing the work together and uh, excited to be off the road a little bit and to be around our team and to be around our guys and, you know, to start doing that work uh, this afternoon here in a little bit.
1: Coach Lewis certainly did hit the ground running from when he was first introduced as the new coach on November 29th. Coach, big picture, 10 weeks ago, you introduced yourself right? and you're here today with the signing day with all these players. Are you uh, were you expecting it to go as smoothly as it did or did it not go smoothly? You're kind of just talk about the big picture since you got here to this yeah. day, how that's gone for you. Yeah,
2: it's been good. I mean, I'm glad that it's appeared that it's been smooth, right, um, and, and that things have gone well. Um, the, the staff's done a tremendous job with the work that they have done. And we sat down shoot 10 weeks ago now and, and laid out a plan of how we wanted to attack this window of time so that we could maximize it. And again, with the families and the young men that we were able to add, felt like we hit on a lot of the needs. Needs that, that we saw, that we needed to address. Obviously, this is a never-ending process, right? Like it, the, the two main pillars that are always going to be top of mind for us are building our culture and acquiring the right talent, both staff and players consistently year-round as we do this. Right. But for where we were 10 weeks ago, no one knew that I was going to be the head coach and no one knew who the coordinators were going to be and no one knew who the assistants were going to be. And all those various factors. Right. To find the right families, to find the right players that we believe are the right fit for the direction that we are going. Right. And then blending them with the current roster. You know, it's an exciting time to to be moving ahead together. Coach Lewis made some news at this week's media availability, announcing that
1: the spring football game will take place on April 20th at Snapdragon Stadium. And technically, with the transfer portal reopening at that point, some players may feel after spring practice that perhaps this isn't the place for them and they may want to go somewhere else. But is coach worried about that?
2: Yeah, I think change and finding the situation that is best for you is is always a good thing. But I don't think that the greener pasture is always somewhere else, right? Like, I think that's the one thing that we can't lose sight of, that at the end of the day, this game that we all love it has helped so many young men because it teaches great life lessons, right? And if we get into a place in a space where there's always an exit, when things get hard, you can run as opposed to staying 10 tones down where you're at and watering the grass where you're at, that's how it becomes green, right? That's how you grow as an individual. You you, you sit in the discomfort a little bit. You, you You actively seek some productive discomfort knowing that it is exactly what it what it sounds to be right like it's going to be productive but man it's going to be challenging and by doing that and seeing some things through and having open and transparent relationships with the coaches of where you're at and speaking truth to one another because the relationships that you have can withstand that truth you know that's where i think this game is 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 at its best right now if you've worked that process and it's not meant to be where you are then by all means yeah opportunity for everyone involved is is what's best
1: Coach Lewis is promising an offense that's Aztec fast, and he knows what that means for his players, but that term is fairly new to fans. So does Coach Lewis have any suggestions for fans and how to best enjoy his new high-flying offense at Snapdragon Stadium?
2: Yeah, get there early, get your refreshments from the concession stand, and get your butts in your seat so you can see the game so you don't miss anything. But I mean, it's going to be fast-paced, it's going to be explosive, it's going to be exciting. Yet it's still going to be disciplined and still going to be tough. Right? We're not going to lose that blue-collarness and that toughness um, about who we are and what we're about and being able to roll up our sleeves and and win the game in a lot of different ways. But, yeah, get there early. Get get your popcorn or whatever it is that, you know, you enjoy while you watch the ball game and then get in the seats. I know there's a lot of fun entertainment areas that you can hang out at at Snapdragon, but do that before the game and then get get in your seats and be quiet while we're on offense and be really, really loud while we're on defense. So, Steve,
1: it seems the fans need to do a little practicing of their own. Lewis, in the game
0: of football, a lot of time spent learning plays, learning assignments, of course, practice, practice, practice. It appears Lewis, Aztec fast, very few if any huddles, is going to be similar to the way the men's basketball team rolls when it gets in a groove. No time to get worked up over a busted player, blown assignment, on to the next one. Here's Coach Lewis talking about how the players are adjusting to the new staff and the new training regimen of Aztec fast.
2: It's exciting. The kids are hungry. Um, you can tell that there's a there's a very real appetite for it. Um, but the kids don't know what they don't know right now. You know, like they all think right now that they want to play fast, and then we're going to hit spring ball. And to play at the pace of play that we do, you have to train at a certain kind of way in that regard, right? And, and so they're learning that a little bit right now in the weight room. But it's going to be something completely different when we put the ball down and you know run a a 15 minute seven on seven period in practice and we get over 40 plays in that 15 minutes, right? And that means everyone's working, everyone's rolling, everyone's going, so there's a whole holistic change in a lifestyle that needs to be, um, you know, committed to, to, to play this way. But the guys are hungry. And I mean, they're constantly up here, getting a peek at extra tape and doing some different things all on their own because they're, they're eager to learn. And, uh, you know, let I me mean, shoot the young people. They just want to be put in the best position to be successful with it all. And I think a lot of guys, you know, are, are tremendously excited about the opportunity that is being presented to them to where they know that there's going to be a lot of opportunity in all three phases to go make plays. Lewis, we're a ways out from seeing how it plays out out in a full season, but in the short
0: run makes for interesting times for Aztec football on the Mesa. Here's hoping that some of the fastest players on the field end up in the quarterback spot and among the receivers who may find themselves running tight routes close to the line of scrimmage at time. Remember, the Aztecs did have an offensive line, excuse me, a run game coordinator in Bill O'Boyle from the University of Colorado, and then they didn't when he reneged and took a job at Northwestern. So, enter Aztec for Life Mike Schmidt, who took the job late in the recruiting game while some offensive line vets left for greener, as in the color of money, pastures for more NIL money. So, many of the guys up front will need some seasoning in this new system, in addition to a different level of strength and conditioning. Lewis, when the Aztecs were piling up big numbers on the ground and winning under the last two previous coaches, Brady Hoke, Rocky Long, the Aztec line was the strength of the team. So Lewis, here's my take on the get together of the season ticket holders at the Snapdragon Stadium. It was a bit nippy outside and in the closed area of the East Village side of Snapdragon Stadium. Got there a bit ahead of time, but already there were a lot of folks lined up outside waiting to get in, which was good to see. Apparently some 500 official requests for tickets Not certain there were that many inside, but would guess several hundred. They had a mini drumline going, once inside, a full complement of the Spirit Squad, and just for you, Lewis, the baton twirler. It was kind of noisy in there, as we both know. It was a rub-elbows affair because I asked a few of the coaches about talking with us for the podcast, and we were told the orders were no media interviews. The official stuff came from a wireless microphone and a sound system, starting out with Bob Moosbrugger, Director of Athletics uh, Revenue Generating, and also the Director of Athletics, J.D. Wicker, Coach Lewis, the coaching staff, some players as well, including holdovers, Garrett Fountain, Keenan Kristen. Good to see them back. J.D. explained to the assembled faithful that the Lewis hiring was extensive, but fast, and their guy stood out. Heck, he's 6'7", he's got the blue collar mentality, he treats the players well, so all that's in his favor. Here's JD talking about the feedback from the players to date as they get better acquainted and participate in off-season conditioning, which is pretty tough sledding as you can imagine. Tonight, I honestly, I got played one of the highest compliments I've been paid since I've been the athletic director at San Diego State. Walking out of the building to come here, I was walking out with two of our student athletes, football players. And we were just chatting about how are things going, you know, they're in, they're in conditioning
1: now, it's a hard thing. And they said, Mr. Wicker, we want to thank you. You listened to what we said when we had player meetings about what the young men
0: wanted to see in their next head football coach. They told me, they're like, you and Bob checked every box. Everything we've seen thus far from Coach Lewis and this staff is exactly what we asked you to do. And our student athletes are excited about this. You should be excited about this as well. Once it stops raining, we're going to put grass back on the field after some monster trucks, and we're going to get ready for Aztec fast. We will get into more from Coach Lewis in future podcasts, but at that event, he talked about National Signing Day and along with everyone else was very upbeat, positive, and up-tempo at the mic. J.D. also has some notes about Aztec season ticket holders, which the program obviously hopes they have more of. He also wished that... Those assembled lived lives long enough to set or exceed some of these types of records. Did you know the Tom and Nancy Abel's family trust is now going on 74 years coming up? Son Ken among those gathered. Of course, Tom Abel's known for being a road warrior with Aztecs football. Has a book, Go Aztecs! A fan looks back at the first 788 games he saw. Abel's a true Aztec for life. Of course, he left us in 2017 at age 91, but had himself a life as an Aztec. Editor of the school paper, served in the Navy, had a career in public relations, and saw all of those Aztec football games. And Lewis, the Abel's family name, is still going strong in Aztec lore. Finally, Worker noted there are also 14 season ticket holder accounts of 50 years plus. So, God willing, maybe both of us will have an outside shot at that
1: one. Louis? Steve, a couple of things before we go. It's a rough start to the season for the 24th-ranked Aztec women's softball team, which opened the season with a 3-0 loss to number 3-ranked Stanford. On Thursday night, the Aztecs managed just one hit. And Friday night, the Aztecs late rally came up short in a 5-3 loss to the Minnesota Golden Gophers, Both games were played at SDSU Softball Stadium. And finally, I want to tell you about a special guest we will have on next week's podcast. I'll spend some time with Austin Bolton of the We Believe Network and its new association with the Aztec Link NIL Collective. When it comes to San Diego State Aztecs media content, the We Believe Network is the place to be, and I'll have much more on that next week but that'll do it for this edition of Aztecs All In. Thanks so much for listening. Please like us or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Plus, you can follow us on the X for late-breaking Aztec news at Aztecs underscore all underscore in. And, of course, you can drop us a line at Aztecs all in at gmail.com. But for now, I'm Lewis Wiener for Steve Perez. Take care.